Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Don Wilton to the podcast. Dr. Wilton serves as senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Spartanburg in South Carolina and is president of the Encouraging Word Television Ministry. He's the author of a number of books, including his most recent work, Saturdays with Billy. Dr. Wilton, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Allen. I'm just overjoyed and delighted, very honored to be with you today. Thank you. Well, listen, I have been looking forward to this conversation for some time, and uh, even reading a recent article about your book and uh, stories from this book, Saturdays with Billy, uh, just makes me look forward to this conversation. As one who is given to uh, the study of church history and one who is, uh, you know, has, has traced 20th century evangelicalism, and it's just hard to overstate the contribution that Billy Graham has made and your role in his life and ministry. And so the book itself is out now, Saturdays with Billy, uh, by Don Wilton, out by Thomas Nelson. I want to encourage all of our readers to get it. But today, I want to just talk with you, frankly, about Dr. Billy Graham and some of the anecdotes in your book. I know you can rehearse for us here. And my hope is that our listeners, which are primarily pastors, local church servants, seminary students, that they would leave uh, this conversation, frankly, encouraged and uh, also informed by Billy Graham. You know, I'm still a young man, and uh, but I came of age in ministry when Billy Graham was still on the scene. He was he was really winding down his public ministry, but but he was still on the scene. And then before that, in addition to that, over the years as a kid, saw him you know preaching on television, and even a number of years ago, put on my phone uh, an app from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association with some of his early sermons, and some of those sermons from the 1950s, especially when he was younger are just absolute powder keg sermons. And so his influence extends on and his ministry extends on. And of course, now he went to be with the Lord just a few years ago. So I know today is a conversation that many will enjoy. Before we get into that, however, I uh, I do want to uh, give you a moment, Dr. Wilton, to give us a word of update on your ministry and uh, and even a word of update on the book itself and what prompted you to write it. Well, thank you so much, you know, and uh, what a joy to be talking to fellow pastors and ministers and servants of the Lord and men and women on the front line of what God is calling us to do. Um, You know, I'm just a fellow pastor and uh, brother in Christ, and uh, I've now been serving First Baptist Church of Spartanburg, South Carolina for 28 years uh, as the senior pastor. Uh, I came here from the New Orleans Baptist Seminary, where I'd been for 15 years teaching and on the faculty there and pastoring churches in Mississippi. I guess that explains why I have a Mississippi accent, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) And uh, I have uh, a wonderful, beautiful wife, Karen, and three grown uh, children, Rob, who is a church planter, great preacher of the Word of God. Uh, part of our send work and missionary uh, up in Pittsburgh. My middle son, Greg, Dr. Greg Wilton. Um, he is the uh, national director for NAM for Refugee and International Ministries. And my daughter, Shelley, serves the Lord overseas in Africa. She's in South Sudan in humanitarian work. So we uh, 
all as a family. We have great joy in serving the Lord. And my greatest joy is the privilege of being able to preach the word of God and rightly divide the word of truth. And uh, so I just love what I do. And I feel so honored that God has called me to do that. Well, as I've mentioned to you before, your father, who has been with the Lord now, I guess more than a decade, uh, was an incredible preacher. And as a young man cutting his teeth in ministry, had the opportunity to get to know him a little bit. And uh, I still remember so many powerful sermons, including uh, one in particular that comes to mind on the parables. And uh, anyway, you, you come from a rich family of preachers and gospel ministers, and uh, your influence and that influence continues to be felt by, by so many. Well, I'm grateful, you know. I'm very grateful. And my dad was a, he was such a Bible expositor, you know, and uh, he taught me just so much. And so to sit alongside uh, Dr. Graham all those years was just uh, unbelievable. Yeah, and that's where I want to take the conversation today. So Dr. Graham, um, again, correct my history if I'm wrong here, but he joined your church and he moved his membership from what had years been his a, a non-resident membership at First Baptist Dallas and moved his membership to your church and, and frankly got acquainted with you, as I recall, basically through your television ministry and um, developed a friendship. And that led to, for years, basically a weekly meeting with Dr. Graham. Is that is that broadly accurate? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, basically, you know, uh, actually it was in 1993 that he first invited me to his home. That's a long story. I wrote about it in Saturdays with Billy, and uh, only God could have done that. I had been on the Billy Graham uh, schools of evangelism, and we became friends. He invited me back and back, and we became friends for 12 years. But during those 12 years, I never told a soul. I never shared that, never told anybody. Only my wife really knew about it. And then after knowing him and so friendly with him and we became so close, he asked me uh, if if he could become a member of our church in South Carolina. That was in 2005. So altogether, you know, was almost 25 years, the last 15 years of which um, he was actually a member of my church. So, yeah, I was his friend and very close friend, confident and became very, very close to him. Uh, all those years. But yes, I also had the privilege of actually becoming his pastor on top of that, which was just such a privilege indeed. So I, you know, I imagine our listeners will be curious about even some of the practicalities, the logistics of visiting Billy Graham. Like, what was it like to drive up the mountain? What did you, you know, of course, once you became a known quantity, it was, I'm sure, rather easy. But but for, for others, even ascending the mountain and going through some measure of security, I, I guess some sort of at least a guard or greeter, uh, what was that like from your, you know, your, your earliest kind of voyages up there? Well, it's a, that's a wonderful question, Dr. Allen. Uh, just uh, something that's so hard to really explain, uh, just... Uh, <laughs> With, I just have such gratitude to the Lord Jesus. Um, I, I tell people, if I may uh, say to our listeners today, that if you were to look at us sitting there and all the fellowship and the fun and the dogs and the walks and the places and the preparation and the conversations, in many ways, this is what you would be seeing. You would see the picture of two men. One of those men was a nobody who really thought he was a somebody. 
sitting with a somebody who really thought he was a nobody. Everything with Dr. Graham was backwards. You cannot begin to describe the enormity of the servanthood of the heart of this dear man. And over all these years, we became so close. Yes, I was given permission. In fact, I write about it in Saturdays with Billy. The one chapter is called Billy's Gate. And just like the application is, Jesus Christ is the way, he's the gate, he's the only means through his atoning sacrifice by which we can come into the presence of a holy and a righteous God. Billy's gate, with all the security, all the fame, the prime ministers, the presidents, all the things that went on, Mr. Graham gave to me personally the access to come directly into his presence. He invited me into the presence of someone that in reality I could have no access to because I could never touch where this man was, or at least I thought that. But every time I drove through that gate, everything turned on its head. You would think that I was the important person. Now, how silly is that? You would think that I had the answer to every question. Now, how silly is that? You would think that I was the one who knew how to preach this passage from the book of Romans. Now, how silly is that? He was so humble in his spirit, and he was so hungry for the power and the presence of God by his spirit, without whom Mr. Graham himself considered himself to be nothing. And it was an undue honor and presence that till my dying day, I will grapple to understand or to fully comprehend the joy that God gave to me to have that relationship with Dr. Billy Graham for nearly 25 years and then to have the privilege of holding his hand in his journey into heaven. It's just so precious to me, Dr. Allen. And I'm so grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And through this man's life, I have been taught so much about the face of God and what God expects of each one of us if we are to be used of him. And we are, our, every one of us listening today, Every young preacher, every minister of the gospel, God wants to use us. He will use you. But he brings us before him by the working, effectual working of his spirit within us to the point at which we become like Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul admonished the Philippian church. He admonished those believers. And that admonition is that which is lived out for us and through us. And the practical 
picture of that is seen in people like Dr. Billy Graham. How blessed we are to have known him. So I'm curious, in your assessment, why did God use Billy Graham as he did? What was the secret if there was one? Well, if, if I may say, uh, uh, Dr. Allen, uh, I, I would begin uh, with his conversion, um, his complete surrender to the Lordship of Christ. His conversion, when you go back and, and, and in the many conversations I had with him about that, numerous hundreds of conversations, he would always take me back to his Bethel, to his place of surrender. He would take me back to the point where he knew, sitting under the preaching of Mordecai Ham in Charlotte, North Carolina, as a rebellious but normal teenager, the, the full moment at which he recognized that God, the Holy Spirit, was reaching to him and convicting him of his sin to the point at which he saw himself in the viewfinder or the sight of a holy and a righteous God and came under the conviction of sin and repentance of that sin unto the righteousness of God. So this was the conviction by which he moved through the echelon of every stage of his life. And it began with that um, total surrender. He, he spoke to me so often about the true meaning of faith, the total giving of oneself, regardless whether or not we understand completely the enormity, the vastness of God in all of his sovereign holiness and the diminutive nothingness of man in our sinfulness and our lostness. And he perpetually and continually uh, not only saw that, but grappled with that. Because he saw himself as a sinner, saved by the grace of God, constantly aware that but by the grace of God go I. He, I would look at him sometimes, and in my heart, I think you would understand. I, I would look at him, and we'd just been talking to presidents and the people that came by, and one only needs to think about the personages and the fame and the athletes and the prime ministers and the phone calls. You know, I used to say to myself, it seemed like anybody who was anybody in this entire world wanted to come and visit with Dr. Graham. And they would just would clamor to come into his presence. And yet this man was so humble and contrite in the presence of God. It was like he was perpetually shocked as to why anybody would want to come and talk to him. <laughs> it's like he would, 
it, you know, we would go places and people would stand up and applaud when he walked in and he would look around as if to say, now, who, who are they applauding? <laughs> it was like a shock in, in, his, in his soul spirit, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Can you reflect on, uh, with us for a moment on Dr. Graham's uh, early in his ministry wrestling with the authority and the inspiration of Scripture? Oh, I can indeed. You know, one needs to go all the way back even to 1949. Again, another conversation many times because we talked uh, endlessly about his conviction concerning the inerrancy and infallibility of the Word of God. He would look at me time without number and say, Don, did God say this in his Word? And I would say, yes, sir. He would say, well, to begin with, there is nothing to discuss. And I'd just look at him. And then he would say, now let's just talk about it together as brothers and seek to know the mind of Christ. Well, that went all the way back to 1949, the Los Angeles Crusade. And I know our listeners don't want a long history lesson here, but that was so formative. Uh, the turning point of his entire ministry was his own moment of time when despite the opposition that he was encountering now just think about this this is 1949 that's a long time ago and there were some very fine preachers around who were questioning the authority of god's word they were saying things like well i know that god is saying this but we've got to understand that we're in a post-war era. Therefore, God would understand if we just added this. Or they would say, I know God has told us not to, but he won't mind if we do. Or they would take the grace of God and they would insert a good shot of license into it. And say, because God is a God of grace, therefore, I now have license to transgress the very law of God. Well, in 1949, he walked out into the woods. He lay his Bible on a tree stump, got on his knees before God, and literally cried out to God. And he said, Lord God, I look upon your word. Right here in this forest in California, and I want you to know that as of today, I affirm my absolute conviction to the absoluteness of the inerrant, infallible word of the living God. And I will not deviate from that. And he told me, he speaks about it, he wrote about it in his autobiography, and it's known to many people, that was the turning point of the practical reality of his preaching ministry across the world because all of a sudden he knew that it was not what he had to say to anybody it was what god had to say to everybody and he was just the instrument through which god would say what god needed to say his word was not to decide what to say he didn't have to sit down and worry about what am i going to say when i preach god said it he had to decide what it was that God was saying and how God would use him as a living vessel to take that word 
and share it verbally with a people so that they too would come to know that God loves them and that Jesus came, died and was buried and was raised by the power of God for their salvation. That is the finished work of the cross. And that is the all sufficiency of Christ. Billy Graham believed that. And he went across the world because he believed, yes, God loves you. The Bible tells us that, but he equally believed that without him, you are lost and dead in your trespasses and sins. He didn't compromise on either side of those bookends, so to speak. And it drove him. It was a passion. And so we ended up spending days on end. We would sit in the garden playing with the dogs and eating hot dogs and stealing one another's yogurt and laughing our heads off. But I can't tell you, Dr. Allen, how many times we, <laughs> we, we always ended back in the word of God. <laughs> it's like it was. It was like a magnet, you know. It's just like we just went back to God's word, you know. And uh, in all of the context of the life that we live together. Well, Dr. Milton, our time has flown by here today. But let, let me just pull this together by asking you one final brief question. What is like one lesson from Dr. Graham you learned that you would like to encourage the listeners to uh, take away from this conversation and perhaps even from your book, Saturdays with Billy? Maybe uh, if I, and I'll say this very quickly, all right, and not in order of priority. This is what I would, I would, uh, when you read Saturdays with Billy, I pray you'll take this with you. Um, first of all, uh, to all of us as pastors and preachers, number one, it's not just what you say in the pulpit. It is who you are outside of that pulpit. The second thing I would, would say to you, that I learned from Mr. Graham is to be a man of prayer. Prayer was the divide between word and deed. And Mr. Graham, every time I was with him, never failed. Oh, man, do I miss that. He would pray. He would pray for my people. He would pray for the people of the world. He would pray he would pray for the word of God. He would pray that the Holy Spirit would come down and he would always conclude, and I say this selfishly, he would put his precious hands on my head, on my shoulders. He would hold my hand. I've got a picture in my book, Saturdays with Billy, of him holding my hand just before he died. And we prayed together. Mm. And the third thing, I think that I learned from him is total surrender. Just surrender. Focus on your core. If God has called you to preach and teach the word of God, you have no other consideration. Do what God has called you to do and give it to him because he gave it to you to begin with. Mm. Don't lead a distracted life. Don't proverbially go through life as a pastor, a preacher, looking over your shoulder. Don't seek positions. Don't chase after mist and fog. 
get on with what God's called you to do and preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Stay the course. Fight the good fight of faith and finish well. And God will bless you because God took his servant, Billy Graham, and I wrote about it in Saturdays with Billy when I led that entire funeral service and preached his funeral message. You could feel the power of God even while we marched into the rotunda of the capital of the United States with the most powerful people in the world from every walk of life, pagans included. You could feel and sense the power and presence of Almighty God even in his death. And I praise God for the life of Dr. Billy Graham. And I'm so honored and so grateful. And I'm so thankful, Dr. Allen, so thankful that I have the privilege to just share a little bit of the life and ministry of this most precious man. And I pray God would bless and rich and and rich in each one of our lives as we seek to serve him, because that's what he will do with us and through us. Well, Dr. Wilton, uh, you have inspired me as the uh, conversation partner the past half hour, and I bet you've inspired many of our listeners. Thank you for your ministry to Dr. Billy Graham, for your book that I want to uh, plug again, Saturdays with Billy. And it's out with Thomas Nelson Publishers, and I've been able to to read through it, and it's just such an encouraging read. Dr. Wilton, thank you for joining me on Preaching and Preachers. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.